to spend the weekend. I even suggest that some weekend you're tired of staying in your house, like to stay in somebody else for a while. Just go on and spend an entire weekend with them. They would be delighted to have you. And I promise you next weekend would not be too soon. <laughs> I'm moving out. Why don't you move in? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Larry, I know you enjoy having fun, but that's carrying it too far. I mean, they've been so kind to open up their home to you. Now, you up their home to everybody else. That's not what I'm doing. They made it crystal clear when I got there yesterday. Larry, this is your house. Make yourself a home. So I'd like to invite you to my house. <laughs> as soon as your schedule allows you to make it. But again, I have thoroughly enjoyed being with them and also with you. Now, in order to be with us tonight, to this afternoon, uh, I think we ran out of stuff on the back because we were expecting about 20. I think there are just around 50 here. So we probably ran out of some stuff. But the thing you need most is a handout. What's so scary about evangelism? Does anyone not have that handout? because that's the thing I'll be teaching from, and you really need that for sure. Does anyone not have the handout? What's so scary about evangelism? And then you also need a copy of the May I Ask a Question, and we went to the back and got some more. Does anyone not have May I Ask a Question? Because that's the thing you need. Um, does anyone not have that booklet? Because I'll be going over that. Okay, you don't have it. This, could someone back help me there? Uh, is there some more May I Ask a Question back there? Okay. Uh, and you all have those two things. May I ask a question? And then you also have the, uh, what's so scary about evangelism? And then I'll say a word about this later. But there's an item called Evantel Resources with an address form. Don't worry about it now. Say a word about it later. But you also need one of these. If you're a couple, you only need one. And so if you have two and someone doesn't have one, does anyone not have the address form? that someone here is a couple could share one of yours with them. Does anyone not have the address form? Okay, back here, someone doesn't have one. Again, don't worry about it yet. I'll say a word about it later. Okay, anyone else not have the address form? We have some extra. Okay. Again, that's... Uh, I didn't bring quite long enough, quite enough along, because it's great to see your response. We were expecting around 20 and closer to 50 here. Says a lot about your interest and concern for the lost. Okay, then everyone needs a pen or pencil. Does anyone not have a pen or pencil? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, great. Feel free to keep that too. Okay, now, <laughs> what else? Everyone else have a pen or pencil? Okay, let's plow and get started. Whenever I have a time like this, and there's so much you'd like to say, actually, it's a little time to say it in. I feel like the guy who is driving 80 miles an hour on Route 82. A policeman stopped him and said, I'm going to have to arrest you for speeding. The guy says, for speeding, you've got to be crazy. Sign says, 82, I was only going 80. Policeman said, that's the route number, you fool. That's not the speed limit. Guy said, I'm sure the lad of you said something. You should have seen me on 501. <laughs> Well, I think I have to travel about 501, but I hope that you're finding awfully beneficial. Let's plow and get started. What's so scary about evangelism, and how do you overcome those fears? Now, notice how I start. Most believers admit they do not speak to others about Christ with any consistency. Ask the question, why don't you? And they will answer in one word. A number of years ago, I was speaking down in Bahamas, uh, down there suffering for Jesus. <laughs> and one day, I was going to the straw market, I said to one of the women behind the counter, what's free? She said, the only thing I know is free is salvation. She said, I said, why is it free? She said, because Jesus already paid the price when he died for you. 
That woman did not know me from Adam. And yet the first chance she had, she used to say to me, Christ died for you. Now, I don't think there's anyone here with any kind of walk with Christ that would not like to have that kind of boldness. But there's one four-letter word to tell you what a problem is. I want to know who knows what the four-letter word is. Say it. Fear, exactly. That's what you write in there. F-E-A-R, fear. Okay, now with that in mind, look how I continue. What are we afraid of? What are all four-letter frightness? They are. A number of years ago, I wrote an article for a national magazine, and the article was entitled, What is so intimidating about evangelism? I addressed four different areas. In the following two weeks, we received over 300 letters in response to that article because our people identified with it. And this mini-seminar grew out of that article. Now, there's no way I can tell you everything I would like to in these four areas. I am not going to try. What I am going to try to do is give you new perspective, new way of looking at these four areas because sometimes perspective changes everything. I love the story of the girl who wrote home from college, and she said, Dear Mom and Dad, I had dropped out of school, moved in with a guy, expecting a baby in May, looking forward to seeing you soon, your daughter Barbara. Then she wrote, P.S., none of the above is true, but I did get an F in my last exam. <laughs> Sometimes perspective changes everything. <laughs> and what I want to do is give you a new perspective, new way to look at these four areas. Okay, what are they? Here we go, number one. I do not know how to... Turn a conversation to spiritual things. I do not know how to turn a conversation to spiritual things. In other words, we don't know how to go from golf to God. Now, with each one of these, I want to ask and answer two questions. What's the problem? What's the solution? Okay, first of all, what's the problem? Number one, you're using the wrong approach. You're using the wrong approach. You're using the wrong approach. You say, Larry, what do you mean by that? Three things are they are. A. You begin by listening, not talking. You begin by listening, not talking. You begin by listening, not talking. Now look at that next line. The goal is to get them talking while, what is the next word, say it out loud. You listen. People good at turning conversations are not good talkers. They are good listeners. And the whole time they're listening, listening for any way to turn the conversation and go from golf to God. But you don't have to be a good talker. You got to be a good listener. Okay, B, you begin by freeing up, F-R-E-E-I-N-G, not freezing up. You begin by freeing up, F-R-E-E-I-N-G, not freezing up. In other words, God's giving you a dynamite mind. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you free up instead of freeze up, that mind's in the operation, and you begin to think of all kinds of ways to turn the conversation. But you got to free up, not free up. Okay, C. The flow of the conversation must be natural, not forced. The flow of the conversation must be natural, not forced. The flow of the conversation must be natural, not forced. Now, look at that next line. That's why for some people, it would take longer to turn the conversation than for others. If you said to me in any given conversation, how long does it take you to go from golf to God? I would say sometimes five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes 50 minutes, sometimes five hours, on occasion five days. But the flow of the conversation has to be natural. It cannot be forced. 
Sometimes when we are having trouble turning conversations, it's because we're trying to do it too abruptly. As you can imagine, I do a tremendous amount of flying, and I've found that airplanes are great opportunities to witness. I've also found the rougher the flight, the better the opportunity. <laughs> but one time, I was flying from Dallas to Philadelphia. The woman sitting next to me had gotten on the plane in Las Vegas, connected in Dallas, then of course was also going to Philadelphia. She told me everything about Las Vegas. Time Magazine told me two weeks later. The Time Magazine article was boring. She already told me everything. After we were talking for a while, she said, what do you do? I said, I am a speaker. I'm in the ministry. She said, are you? I said, do you have some interest in spiritual things? She said, I used to keep God at arm length. But last year, my uncle died of cancer after being diagnosed from us earlier. My grandmother's now in the hospital. I'm more interested in God than I've ever been before. I said, well, has anyone ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? She said, no, they haven't. I said, may I? She said, quote, if you would, that would be the greatest favor any human being has ever done. Those were exact words. There are 30,000 feet above the sea level. I had the privilege of leading her to Christ. Now, is my being a minister helpful? Sure. Was it essential? In no way. All you would have had to do is demonstrate any kind of interest in spiritual things, and she had ticked off with you just like the way she did with me. But the flow of the conversation has to be natural, it cannot be forced. Now, with that in mind, what's solution number one? Enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the conversation. Now, do me a favor, take that word enjoy and underline it again. Now, once you underline it, now draw a circle around it. Now, once you draw a circle around, now box it in. Now, once you box it in, now put a star on the side of it. Now, once you put a song side of it, now put an asterisk on the other side. <laughs> now the only problem is you can't read the word. <laughs> but the point is, enjoy the conversation. Have a blast. Talk to people. Now, what do you talk about? Talk about three areas. Here they are. A, family. B, job. And C, background. Talk about the family. Talk about the job. Talk about the background. Now, why? Because any unbeliever is an expert in those three areas. Their family, their job, their background. They know a whole lot more than you do. So you take them to an area where they are an expert, area where you are, and that's what it means to know Christ personally. So you're talking about a family, job, the background. Now, I don't want you to have this stuff here. I want you to have it here and here. So what are the three areas? A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C, B, <laughs> just want to see if you're with me. No matter, family job in the background. Okay, number two, let God direct the flow of the conversation. Let God direct the flow of the conversation. Now, why God? Because you know what is so exciting about evangelism? God is not asking to bring anybody to Christ. That's his responsibility. God simply asks you to bring Christ to anybody. That means you've got to be the directed, let him be direct her. Now, what does that mean? Two things, A. Be open, responsive, whatever he wants to do, and be pray as you listen, listen as you pray. Well, unbelievers never know, it's a whole time I'm having a mouth-mouth talk with them, I'm having a heart-to-heart talk with God. I'm asking God for two things, here they are. Ask God for two things, they are direction and boldness. I say, God, give me direction, God, give me boldness. Now, I hope it sends you out of your seat to know that in 43 years of ministry, 
asking God direction of boldness. Not one time has he failed to answer a request. Not one time. If I did not have it, it's because I did not ask God for it. Now again, not here, but here and here. What are the three things you talk about? A, B, C, two things you ask God for. Direction, boldness. Okay, three. Benefit from experience. Three benefit from experience. Three benefit from experience. Now look at that next line and tell me if I'm reading it correctly. The more you do it, the tougher it becomes. Your repertoire transition decreases. Is that right? No, the more you do it, what? You know why those who do it well do it well? Because they do it all the time. And the more you do it, you build up a whole repertoire of how you turn a conversation. And one day you're talking to someone, you think, I know what I said last week got the conversation going. Maybe that'll help this week. And those who do it well do it well because they do it all the time. You got a benefit from experience. Okay, four. As you listen and talk, ask questions. Ask questions that determine if this conversation might be an open door for the gospel. Now, don't get hung up on the questions. Get hung up on the kind of questions they are. What do you think the future holds for most of us? People love to talk about the future, even though they're scared to death about it. Do you think people today are more worried than they used to be? Why do you think the problems in the world seem to be getting worse instead of better? And then five, move the conversation from the secular to the spiritual to the gospel. Move the conversation from the secular to the spiritual to the gospel. Let me ask you something. Did I say to you, go from the secular to the gospel? Is that what I said? No, what did I say? Secular to what? Then the gospel. You don't say, I am delighted to hear you're an airline pilot. Have you come to the point in your life that you know if you're going to die, you go to heaven? <laughs> He's going to think, boy, is she afraid of flying. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> you go from something secular to something spiritual. I don't know how many believers have said to, you, Larry, said to me, Larry, I never thought about that. I don't know of any conversation ever I've gone from secular to the gospel. You need some type of bridge. So having said what you did under number four, now you say something like this. Do you enjoy reading about religious topics or subjects? Have you attended or become involved in any church in the area? Have you ever examined some of the teachings of the Bible? And then you say, don't you think the most important thing of all is that we know for certain we're going, certain we're going to die? Has anyone ever taken a Bible showing you how you can know? May I? Now I hope, if nothing else, that gives you a new perspective, a new way of thinking about how you turn a conversation. What are the three things you talk about? They are family, job, background. Two things you ask God for. Direction, boldness. Three steps you take. Secular, spiritual, gospel. Great. You guys are great. Okay, number two. I do not know how to present the gospel. You'd be amazed how many people say to us, even if someone said, I want to be saved, I don't think I'd even know how to explain it to them. Now, to all those who come up with their own method, we have a son who's now 33 years old, living up in New Jersey, but when he was about five years old, he decided if his dad was going to be an evangelist, then he would be one too. And he's a people person who has never met a stranger, so he'd walk up to anyone, anywhere and say, what are you depending on to get you to heaven? <laughs> That's where he would start. <laughs> He'd walk up to anyone ever and say, what are you depending on to get you to heaven? And it's amazing how that opens conversation right up to spiritual things. And one day, my wife and he were in a hardware store. He runs up to the counter. He says, what are you depending on to get you to heaven? 
the fellow was surprised how abruptly the question came up. He said, well, I go to church. I live good. I try to do what's right. And David looked at my wife and he said, he ain't going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, my wife had her door of opportunity because her job to bail out the conversation. But all of us know five-year-olds get away with stuff that we can't. So we had better talk about it. Okay, what's the problem? Number one, you may not have cleared in your mind the message of the gospel and the meaning of saving faith. Now, what do I mean by that? A, the message of the gospel is Christ what? Died for our sins and what? Rose from dead. Christ died for sins and rose from dead. As I've been saying for 43 years, the Bible is 66 books. The gospel is 10 words. What are those 10 words? Say them. Christ died for sins and rose from dead. What are they? Christ died for sins and rose from dead. What are they? Christ died for sins and rose from dead. What are they? Christ died for sins and rose from dead. You don't have to know the Bible to evangelize. The Bible is 66 books. The gospel is 10 words. What are those 10 words? Christ died for sins and rose from the dead. You don't have to know the Bible. You have to know the gospel. Okay, B. The meaning of saving faith is trust in Christ alone to save. The meaning of saving faith is trust in Christ alone to save. Look at that next verse. Moses, surely I say to you, he who what? Blades me, has everlasting life. The one book of the Bible specifically written, tell you how to receive eternal life, was the Gospel of John. 98 times that book it says, believe, 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 98 times. It means to trust. One time in Enid, Oklahoma, two men were out on a boat. All of a sudden, the boat capsized. The one man could swim, the other could not. So the man who could swim took a gas tank, emptied it, pushed it to the man who could not swim. The man who could not swim took the gas tank, pulled it back under him, rested his way upon it, trusted to save him, and it did. God asked us to come to him as sinners, recognize Christ died for us rose, and trust in Christ alone as our only way to heaven. Be sure you're clear on the gospel and the meaning of saving faith. Because if it's not clear in your mind, you cannot make it clear in the mind of somebody else. Okay, what's the second reason you don't know how? Number two, you have never learned A. Now, who knows the answer? You've never learned a what? Who said it? You've never learned a what? Method. You have never learned a method. You have never learned a method. Look at my next line. Anyone consistent evangelism has a basic method he uses. God in kindness I do not deserve has allowed me to speak in almost every state over 60 foreign locations. I've not met a soul on the face of the earth that's consistent that does not have a basic method. A method does not make you canned. A method makes you caring. A method does not make you mechanical. A method makes you loving. Because now I can wash their eyebrows, I can look at their eyeballs, because I know exactly how I'm going to present the gospel. And if you want to be the most loving person you've ever been evangelism, you got to have a method. Now, with that in mind, lay your hand out to the side for just a minute and pick up this little book called May I Ask You a Question? And let's look at it very briefly. Open up what's it say. Has anyone ever taken a Bible to show you how you can know for sure going to heaven? The Bible contains both bad news and good news. The bad news is something about you and me. The good news is something about God. Let's look at the bad news first. Now, all this is bad news, good news. Two points, two verses, and two illustrations for each. You're going to have the whole thing down. Let's look at it all three briefly. Bad news number one. 
We are all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, all together out loud, can we? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's the illustration. Sin means that we have missed the mark. We lie, hate, lust, or gossip. We have missed the standard God has set. Suppose you and I reach throw a rock, try to hit the North Pole. You might throw further than I, neither of us would hit it. When the Bible says all of sin and fall short, it means we have all come short of God's dinner of perfection. In thoughts, words, and deeds, we have not been perfect. First point, Sephthi, we are all sinners. Romans 3, 23, the rock. Then I'll say, now I think you agree that's bad news. Just as you cannot hit the North Pole, God says, standard, we've all come short. He said, yes, it is. Then I say, look what's at the bottom. The bad news gets worse. And bad news number two, the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.3 says, all together, for the wages of sin is death. There's the illustration. Suppose you worked for me for one day. I paid you 50 bucks. $50 was your wages. That's what you've earned. The Bible said, by sin we earn death. That means we deserve to die and be separated from God forever. So they had these two points, two verses, two illustrations. While sinners, Romans 3.23, the rock. The penalty for sin is death, Romans 6.23, wages. Then I'll say, now I think you agree that's bad news. He said, yes it is. Then I'll say, but after the Bible gives bad news, it gives good news. Always saying in a nutshell, of course, at the bottom. Since there's no way we could come to God, the Bible says that God, what? Came to us. Just there are two things about bad news you need to know. There are two things about good news. The first is, Christ died for you. Romans 5.8 tells us altogether, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, there's the illustration anyone can identify with. And that's why this booklet is circulating across the world in more than 60 different languages. Let's suppose you're in a hospital and I have cancer. I come to you and say, let's take the cancer cells from your body and put them in my body. If that were possible, what would happen to me? He said, I'd die. Yes, what would happen to you? You'd live. Yes, I would die in your place. I'd die instead of you. The Bible says Christ took the penalty reserved for sin, placed upon himself, and died in our place. Three days later, Christ came back to life to prove that sin and death had been conquered and that his claims to be God were true. So good news, Christ died for you, Roman 5 a cancer. Then I'll say, no, I think you agree that's good news. He said, yes, it is. Then I said, of course, at the bottom, just as the bad news got worse, the good news, guess what? Better. Good news number two, you can be saved through faith in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says once more altogether, for by grace, undeserved favor, you have been saved, delivered from sin's penalty through faith, and that now of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, faith means what? Trust. What must you trust Christ for? You must depend on him alone to forgive you and to give you eternal life. Just as you trust a chair to hold you to an effort of your own, so you must trust Jesus Christ to get to heaven to an effort of your own. You may say, I go to church. I don't steal. I'm a good person. I help the poor. I'm religious. I've had people say all five of those in the same conversation. These are all good, but good living, going to church, helping the poor, any other good thing you do cannot get you to heaven. You must trust in Christ alone, and God will give you eternal life for the gift. This makes sense to you. So the good news is like the bad news. Two points, two verses, two illustrations. Christ died for you, 
Romans 5, 8, cancer. You can be saved through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the chair. My concluding question is, is there anything to keep you from trusting Christ right now? Now, the remainder of that simply explains how I help them think through it, keep them from trusting Christ, pray with them as they tell God they're trusting Christ, and give assurance of salvation. And that, I think, can benefit from your own. But simply a bad news, good news approach. Begin with the opening question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible showing you how you can know for sure going to heaven? Bad news, good news. Two points, two verses, and two illustrations for each. You have it all down. Bad news is, while a sinner, Romans 3.23, the rock. Penalty for sin is death, Romans 6.23, wages. Good news is Christ died for you, Romans 5.8, cancer. You can be saved through faith. Ephesians 3.9, the chair. My concluding question is, anything keep you from trusting Christ right now? But a comment is often made, the test of any teaching is not what the teacher taught. It's what the students have learned. Let's see how well you have it. Begin with the opening question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible showing you how I can know for sure going to heaven? Bad news and then good news. Two points, two verses, two. No, straight streak. You have it all down. Everybody. First point of bad news. Well, series verses. Well, in 323, illustration is? Rock. Second point is? Penalty of death versus? Romans 623, illustration is? Wages. Good news, point number one. Christ died for it versus? Romans 5a, illustration is? Cancer. Second point is? Saved by faith versus R? Feast 9, illustration is? Chair, concluding question, anything keep you from trusting Christ right now? Okay, you're getting it. Let's try it again. Begin the opening question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible showing you how you can know for sure going to heaven? Bad news and then good news. Two points, two verses, two. No, straight free. Count it all down. Everybody. First point of bad news. Wall sinners versus. Romans 3.23, illustration is. Rock. Second point is. Penalty is death versus. Romans 6.23, illustration is. Wages. Good news. Point number one. Christ died for it versus. Romans 5.8, illustration is. Cancer. Second point is. Saved by faith versus R. Illustration is. Chair, concluding question. Anything keep you from trusting Christ right now? Okay, you're getting it. Let's try it again. Begin the opening question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible showing you how I can know for sure going to heaven? Bad news and then good news. Two points, two verses, two straight streaks. You have it all down. Everybody. First point of bad news. Verses. Romans 323. Illustration is. Rock. Second point is. Penalty is dead. Verses. Romans 623. Illustration is. Wages. Good news. Point number one. Christ died for it. Verses. Romans 5a. Illustration is. Cancer. Second point is. Saved by faith. Verses are. Illustration is. Chair. Concluding question. Anything keep you from trusting Christ right now? Okay. You almost got it. Let's try it again. <laughs> Begin with the opening question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible showing you how I can know for sure going to heaven? Bad news and then good news. Two points. Two verses. Two illustrations for each. Everybody. First point of bad news. Verses. The illustration is. Rock. Second point is. Verses. From 6.23 illustration is. Wages. Good news. Point number one. Christ died for us. Verses. Roman 5a illustration is. Cancer. Second point is. Saved by faith. Verses are. 
Illustration is? Chair, concluding question, anything keep you from trusting Christ right now? If you've not been able to tell, I'm convinced. Repetition is the art of learning. One time a pastor introduced me by saying, no, Larry's going to come and give his message. If he says something, you don't get it, don't worry about it. He'll say it again. <laughs> if he said the second time, you don't get it, don't panic. He'll say it a third time. If he said the third time, you don't get it, don't worry about it. He'll say it a fourth time. But if he said the fourth time, you don't get it, you had better pay attention because he's only going to say it two more times. <laughs> Just to make sure you got it. Let's try it one more time. Anybody, I mean anybody, caught looking at your booklet will be rushing the rapture. <laughs> you thought I didn't see you. <laughs> you thought I didn't see you. You call that cheating. God calls it sin. <laughs> okay, but give the open question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible showing you how you can know for sure going to heaven? Bad news and then good news. Two points, two verses, two illustration, freak. Everybody, first point, bad news. Well, sinners versus? The illustration is? Rock. Second point is? Penalty of death versus? Um, 6.23 illustration is? Wages. Good news. Point number one? Christ died for it versus? Romans 5a illustration is? Cancer. Second point is? Saved by faith versus R? Illustration is? Chair, concluding question, anything keep you from trusting Christ? Well, now, the point is, learn a method. In fact, what is so exciting, I had no idea how exciting this would be. Almost everywhere I go now, we're meeting people who've been led to Christ by people we trained. I had no idea how exciting it would be. I flipped to Oregon. A medical doctor came up to me and said, I really want to meet you. Because years ago, someone in your ministry taught a, a friend of mine how to share Christ using the bad news and good news. He used that to lead me to Christ. I want to thank you for the part you played in my salvation. And the point is, learn a method. Now, when I go through this with the lost person, I do just like I did with you. I read everything else out of Henry the verses. I say, go ahead, read that verse he reads. All have sinned and fall short of glory of God. I read everything else out of Henry the verses. The advantage of the booklet, if he comes to Christ, if he doesn't, you leave the booklet with him. And that's the advantage of the booklet. But the point is, learn a method. Okay, now back to your handout. What's the third problem? Number three on page three. I don't know how to turn a conversation. Don't know how to present the gospel. Number three on page three. I'm not be able to answer there. Now you know how it filled in. What is it? Questions and questions and objections. Questions and objections. I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe the Bible. Christians are hypocrites. I don't think Christ was what he said he was. And that stuff so intimidates us. We're afraid to say anything to anybody anywhere. Now, what's the problem? Number one, a failure to understand your biblical responsibility. Number one, a failure to understand your biblical responsibility. You say, Larry, what do you mean by that? There it is. God is not asking you to defend the gospel. He simply asks you to declare it. God is not asking you to defend the gospel. He simply asks you to declare it. There is not one verse in this book that says, can you defend me? God says, will you declare me? Now, you know what I find interesting about that? Who leads more to Christ than anybody else? Who leads more to Christ than anybody else? What kind of person? A brand new Christian. Know what's interesting? They don't know anything. <laughs> All they know is Christ died for me. And they tell him, him, her, and her, and lead our world to Christ. God never says, can you defend me? God says, will you declare me? Okay, beat two. I tendency forget how people brought to Christ, too. A tendency to forget how people brought to Christ. Now, those next two verses tell you how it happens. 
my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If you could answer every question, refute every objection, that does not bring people to Christ. They only come to Christ when the Holy Spirit takes the truth of the gospel, drives home their heart, cause them to come to God by faith. Don't ever lose sight of that. Larry Moyer has never brought one person to Christ. God brings people to Christ. Don't ever lose sight of that. Okay, three. A misunderstanding of why. A misunderstanding of why. People often ask questions and raise objections. Now, why do they? Basically, two reasons. They have not received the clear presentation of the gospel. I promise you, make the gospel clear, you're getting a lot less objections. It's hard to argue against the fact Christ died for me. And B, they are putting up what's commonly referred to as a what? Smokescreen. Or not always, but sometimes all they're doing is repeating what someone else said. They've not thought through for themselves. Not always, but many times. Now, with that in mind, what's solution number one? Take the offensive, not the defensive. Take the offensive, not the defensive. Take the offense, not the defense. Now, please notice, I did not say, be offensive. <laughs> Instead, I said, take the offensive. Let me explain what I mean by illustrating what I mean. One time, a Christian took me to lunch, brought an unsaved guy with him. Unsaved guy said to me, I don't know how in the world you teach the Bible the way you do. That thing is so full of mistakes. I said, well, I've had other people tell me that. Unfortunately, nobody showed me one. Would you be kind enough to do that? Do you realize what I just did in 10 seconds? I went from defensive to offensive. He said, I don't have my Bible with me. I said, that's okay. I have my pocket New Testament here, and we can just use that, and I pulled it out. <laughs> At this point, he starts to perspire. <laughs> and then he said, well, I forget what book is found in. I said, I understand that. 66 books in the Bible. Let me name them one at a time, and maybe when I get the book where your mistakes found, it'll ring a bell. Genesis, sound familiar? What about Exodus? I did not get any from Leviticus. He said, now, wait a minute. I have never read the Bible. I said, now I'm so confused. You said, full mistakes. You've not read it. Why'd you say that? He said, somebody else told me that. I said, suppose you wrote a book. I criticize it before reading it. Would that bother you? He said, yeah. I said, that's what you're doing. Criticize the book before you've read it. I think if you're going to criticize, you ought to read it. Before we left, he agreed to get together with his friend once a week to start studying the Bible. He take the offensive, not defensive. If they say Christians are hypocrites, I'll say I'll be the first to admit that too often that is true. But for everyone who does not live the life, I'll show you another one who is. Will you come with me for one day? Let me introduce you to all the Christians living the life. I then pull out my calendar. I say, how does Wednesday of this week look? I could meet you at 9 o'clock. I've never had one person take me up on it, <laughs> not one. You take the offensive, you don't take the defensive. Okay, two, keep the conversation centered on the gospel. Keep the conversation centered on the gospel. Now, again, what's the gospel in 10 words? Say it. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. When Russia first broke open, a woman who went with us to Russia learned how to witness to her husband at home. And she came home and went through the bad news, good news. He brought up something that was not related. She said, there's not the gospel. He brought up something else that was not related. She said, there's not the gospel. He brought up something else that was not related. She said, there's not the gospel. He told me to my face. He said, Larry, what brought me to Christ is she wouldn't get off the gospel. 
And the point is, you keep your conversation centered on the gospel. Okay, three. Make each situation a learning experience. Make each situation a learning experience. Dawson Troutman, founder of his ministry called The Navigators, once said, they may catch me once, they'll never catch me twice, the same question. If you don't know the answer, look it up and get prepared next time. Now, why is that helpful? Because I get asked 10 questions a year, and they're the same old 10, year after year after year. You learn how to answer them once, you're prepared for the same question every time it comes up. They may catch you once, don't let them catch you twice. Make every situation a learning experience. If you don't know how to answer it, look it up and be prepared next time. Okay, three. Footnote number four. Be willing and unashamed to say, don't you know how to fill it in? What is it? I don't know. Be unashamed to say, I don't know. When you say, I don't know, there are two things that conveys to a lost person, and they both start with an H. What are the two things it conveys when you say, I don't know? Honesty and what else? Humility. Honesty and humility. And they are so winsome with non-Christians. Be ashamed to say, I don't know. Okay, what's the fourth problem? I don't know how to turn a conversation. Don't know how to turn the gospel. Afraid I can't answer question objections. It took me about two years of evangelism to find out what a big problem this fourth one was. That's all it took. I don't know where I'd find the time. Don't know how to follow up a new Christian. I don't know where I'd find the time. Don't know how to follow up a new Christian. What is the number one concern of people in 2017? It's not money. That was 50 years ago. What's the number one concern? Time. So Christians tend to be conscientious people. They think if I lead someone to Christ, I ought to help them grow. Since I don't have time to help them grow, I might as well let them go to hell. <laughs> now, we don't say that. That's what we're saying. If I lead someone to Christ, I ought to help them grow. I don't have time to help them grow, so I might as well let them go to hell. Don't misunderstand me. I want to see people grow. But even if they don't, they're still not going to hell. Please don't confuse anything in the Christian life with living it. Because if you do, you will really confuse the gospel. Okay, now, what's the problem? One, you have to take responsibility upon yourself that biblically is placed upon the local church. You have to take responsibility upon yourself that biblically is placed upon the local church. If you need someone to cry and don't have time to help them grow, see your pastor. Because somebody in the church has a time. There is no way I could follow up everyone I need to cry. God does not expect me to. According to this book, follow-up is your local church. So if you need someone to cry and don't have time to help them grow, see your church leaders because somebody here has a time. Okay, two. You may have failed to look your time and resources from heaven backwards. You may have failed to look your time and resources from heaven backwards. You say, Larry, what in the world do you mean? Look at those next two verses. Was there a hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the present Christ that's coming? You're our glory and joy. Before you go to bed tonight, now try not to forget, take five minutes out. Get on a sofa, on your bed, on a chair, take five minutes out. You've just died. You're face to face with Jesus. What will you wish had been most important things in your life. Whatever they're going to be then, make them important now. Live life from heaven backwards. Before you go to bed night, take five minutes out. You've just died. You're face to face with Jesus. What will you wish had been the most important thing in your life? Whatever they're going to be then, make them important now. So when you stand before Christ, there's no remorse.
no regrets. Live life from heaven backwards. As someone has said it so well, the most important things in life are not things. Christ died for people. Be careful you're not living for things. Okay, three. You have overlooked the foundational principle of follow-up. A new believer needs you more than they need your knowledge. New believer needs you more than they need your knowledge. People best to follow up don't have big heads. They've got big hearts. It's not how much do you know. It's how much do you care. It's your presence, not your biblical knowledge that matters to an unchristian. And so for that reason, uh, recognize they need you more than they need your knowledge. Okay, now number four. Number four. You have overlooked the abundance of Christian resources. You've overlooked the abundance of Christian resources. You've overlooked the abundance of Christian resources. We are living in God Bless 2017. There is so much available by workbook and DVD. All it takes is one index finger to disciple a new convert. Turn a page of a workbook, turn on a DVD. It takes one index finger to disciple a new convert. Benefit from Christian resources. Okay, now with that in mind, what's solution number one? Arrange to meet with a new believer once a week for eight weeks. Arrange to meet with a new believer once a week for eight weeks. Or find another person who can do the same. The best problem is if somebody meets them once a week for eight weeks. And two, let the abundant availability of resources help you. Let the abundant availability of resources help you. Our ministry has three things. Welcome the family, grow in the family, and this book right here, 31 Days Living as a New Believer that they love. And it's being even used now in prisons to disciple prisoners who come to Christ. Let that material help you. Okay, now whatever you do, don't miss what I have in bold print. Let's say it loudly and clearly together, can we? The issue is never, are you afraid or what are you afraid of? But instead, what are you doing to overcome those fears? Again, together. The issue is never, are you afraid or what are you afraid of? But instead, what are you doing to overcome those fears? When you stand before Christ, be rewarded. He'll be embarrassing to say, I was afraid. That's why I never mentioned your name. It'll mean everything to say, you know how afraid I was, and you know how you helped me overcome those fears, and see him abundantly reward you. It should not be afraid what you're afraid of, but instead, what are you doing to overcome those fears? Now, I've got one thing to say in closing, just my heart to yours, and, but before I do several things. First of all, it's called the bad news, good news approach. You know, begin with the opening question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible showing you how you can know for sure going to heaven? Bad news and then good news. Two points, two verses, two illustrations for each. Everybody, first point of bad news. Verses, illustration is rock. Second point is penalty of death versus Romans 6.23, illustration is wages. Good news, point number one. Christ died for it versus Romans 5a, illustration is cancer. Second point is saved by faith versus R. Illustration is chair. Concluding question, anything keep you from trusting Christ right now? Okay, you got an item called pre-evangelism resources. Years ago, we decided people so much come to their homes from many areas. We said something to encourage them in evangelism. So we started a ministry called the Toolbox. Sent out four times a year, designed to encourage you in evangelism. We had no idea the response we'd get. You have to ask to get this. It's now gone, it goes to every state and nation, often quoted, in magazines and church bulletins, etc., just came out with one higher witness in the midst of political change. This is a great day for evangelism. 
and we get such response to the toolbox, people say, I don't care what you change as your ministry grows, don't stop sending me the toolbox. As soon as I get it, I read it the day I get it. Sent out four times a year free in Christian evangelism. If you want to get it, I promise you, you do want to get it. Take and tear off that top form very neatly. Tear it off very neatly. Obviously, you only need one per couple, one per family. And fill in that top address. Please print so we can read it carefully, so we can be sure to read it. Please print carefully. Now, if you're already getting it, no need to fill it out again. But if you are not getting one, two, tear off that top form. Now, keep the bottom, because I'll say a word about that in a minute. All the books I've written to help you in evangelism. But tear off the top form, print neatly your name and address. I promise you, you do want to get the toolbox designed to encourage you in evangelism. Set out four times a year. Every now and then we send the fifth issue, but four times a year to encourage you in evangelism. And then once you've done that, pass them over to your left, uh, my right, and maybe, Joe, in a moment you collect those for me. Designed to encourage you in evangelism. But keep the, top, keep the bottom part. Tear off the top part, print your name and address very carefully, print over to your left, my right. Now, let me say a word about the books. First of all, the first one on the left, 31 Days with the Master Fisherman. The biggest comment I get from that book is, I learned how to share Christ out of grace, not guilt. We have churches have gone through that devotional the same month. And the pastor told me when Easter Sunday came around, attendance was twice the normal Easter Sunday attendance. Because our people about so freed up in evangelism, my passion in life is getting people to share Christ out of grace, not guilt. It's a privilege. It's not a pain. And so many people benefited from 31 Days with Master Fisherman. Drop in four books to the right. 21 Things God Never Said. If you don't know the date you're saved, you are not saved. Wrong. The Bible never says that. If you're afraid to evangelize, you don't love Jesus. Wrong. The Bible never says that. If you have a chance to witness and don't, they go to hell. It's your fault. Wrong. The Bible never says that. 21 Things God Never Said is one of our most popular books. I just came back from Alabama. A pastor said, I love your book. 21 Things God Never Said. But those are all there to encourage you in evangelism, including the last one at the right, Evangelism Study Bible. A few years ago, we released the first ever Evangelism Study Bible, a conclusion of a six-year project. But all those books are there to help you. But whatever you do, take the top part, tear it off very neatly, Put your name and address, and go ahead and pass them to my right and to your left. Then a minute, Joe, come along and collect those. Designed to encourage you to evangelism. You got an item called, What Does the Man to Offer You in Evangelism? There's all the materials we have available to teach you in evangelism. A lot of people don't know all the stuff we have available. Three-month training program, one-hour seminar, four-hour seminar, DVDs, books, booklets, all the stuff to encourage you evangelism. Then a word about Evangel, who are we and where are we going? We really appreciate your prayers. And by the way, you got an envelope. That, and by the way, I forgot to tell you this. You got a bookmark called the Bad News Good News. Stick this in your Bible. Every time you read your Bible study, if you the Bad News Good News, keep it fresh in your mind. This is not for unsaved. This is for unsaved. This bookmark's for you. Put in your Bible, review the Bad News Good News anytime, anywhere. Then there was an envelope back there. Please don't misunderstand. Don't take your giving away from anything you're giving it to. But if God supplies extra funds, you want to help us, we operate in the black. God has so blessed our ministry. Every single minute now, five people are hearing the gospel somewhere in the world as a result of our ministry. Every single minute, five people are hearing the gospel as a result of our ministry. We train in four areas, the church, the workplace, academic. Then community groups like Pregnancy Resource Centers. We are now in just over 
750 pregnancy centers training volunteers how to pregnant women and their boyfriends to Christ. We know of 9,000 babies a year now not being aborted because the mothers are coming to Jesus. And the answer to abortion is not protest, it's proclamation. They need the gospel. And God is so blessed, we're simply trying to increase our income. When you've been in it for 44 years this May, you receive so many opportunities because of the credibility we have. We are now being asked to come to Thailand and train underground pastors in China in evangelism because of one place they have no training in evangelism. They've got outreach to three million people. And they said, we come and train these pastors in evangelism. God is so blessing. So if God supplied you with extra funds, want to help us, why, that's there for you. But don't take your giving away from anything you're giving it to. But uh, that's there for you um, as well. Okay, one thing to say in closing, but before I do, any question you might have, uh, any question about what I have said, have not said, should have said, should not have said, any questions? Okay. Um, you may not have received, right? Does anyone have an extra address form? Oh, you do? Oh, that's it. That address form at the top. That's what you fill out. And then that way you're getting the toolbox. Yeah, the address form at the top. I'm sorry. That's what you fill out. Then we'll see you get a copy of it. Then what you do, pass to my right, again, your left. And Joe's gathering those for me. I thoroughly enjoyed having Joe as one of my students in seminary. Had I known he was going to talk so nicely about me this morning, I would have given him a better grade. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I was talking to a guy at work and uh, kind of got into a conversation and he, he just wanted to, he wanted solid concrete answers on everything. And, you know, I just like, I didn't know what to do. I was kind of stuck. I didn't, you know, I, I'm not, I couldn't answer his questions. And he just was so black and white and he was being kind of stubborn about it. And he just wanted to know solid concrete answers. And I just, I was kind of, I mean, we still continue the conversation and we talked about things, but uh, I just felt lost because I couldn't answer a lot of them, and then I just didn't know what to say because, and he, you know, he's like, his main point was, uh, you know, he couldn't understand how to rely on God from just believing. He wanted to know proof. Okay, great question. With every single person, you always go back to two things, the cross and the empty tomb. God has his whole thing locked up. If you don't think he's a God of love, you got to prove away the cross. If you don't think he's God, you got to prove away the empty tomb. So someone like that, I say, look, I want to challenge you to prove the empty tomb. Because if you do, you'll enter the Guinness World Book of Records. Nobody's ever done it. I often loan him. Don't give books unsaved. Loan them. Loan him the book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, by Josh McDowell. And he started on their side of the tracks. He said, I always figured Christians had two brains. The one was lost, the other one was out looking for it. And so he started on their side of the tracks. He became a Christian. And I challenged him, look, just prove the empty tomb. Because the issue is, is Christ the one he said he was? That is the issue. If he was, everything he said matters. If he wasn't, nothing he said matters. And I challenged him, just prove the empty tomb. And they say, well, because many people think, well, the proof of Christ is in the Bible. It's far more than the Bible. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think this is a word of God without error mistake. If you lay this book aside, you still got to deal with Christ. Because Christianity does not stand or fall in the Bible. It stands or falls in the empty tomb. 
If the empty tomb's true, everything else is true. If it's not true, nothing matters. The empty tomb is the most attested fact of history. It's been called that by historians. If you don't believe Christ arose, you cannot accept the fact that George Washington was the first president of the United States. Because there's more proof for the empty tomb than there is that George Washington was the first president of the United States. And so I always encourage them to prove the empty tomb. Now, if they won't, that's their problem, not mine. You know, I always remind believers, your job is to bring Christ to them. Only God can bring them to Christ. Um, and so uh, at that point, it's up to them. Good question. Anything else? Anything else before we close? Okay, just from my heart to yours, I'll be here after this also if you have any questions. And if I can be of help, let me know. Uh, by all means, even if I leave, email me, whatever I can be of any help. Go to LarryMoore.com. There's four kinds of articles. You can sign up for any or all of those four articles, and they'll pop up in your iPhone every single month. Every month as they change, the new article change every month. They will pop up your iPhone. You can sign up for one or all, four different kinds of articles. Two that you want for sure are clear answers to good questions. That's one kind of article, clear answers to good questions, and everyday evangelism, stuff that relates to all of you. And if there's two of the kind of articles you want to sign up for, it's those. But go there, that'll be of help to you. Okay, just from my heart to yours. I'm convinced what the heart of God is crying out for in our country are churches that reach and teach. There are churches that reach, they don't teach. But there's a lot that teach, they don't reach. What the heart of God is crying out for, churches that reach and teach. But a church is not a building. A church is people. So if this church is going to have that balance, it starts with you. So may I suggest we go to bed tonight, saying in prayer what's been said in poem. Lay some soul upon my heart, and love that soul through me. And may I humbly do my part to lead that soul to thee. Lay some soul upon my heart, and love that soul through me. And may I humbly do my part to lead that soul to thee. Let's say it together. Lay some soul upon my heart, love that soul through me. And may I humbly do my part to lead that soul to thee. Here's what will happen. A boy is walking along the seashore. He saw gobs of starfish. So he started picking them up, throwing them back in the water. A man came along and said, what are you doing? The boy said, I'm saving these starfish. And the man said, you cannot save every starfish. There are thousands of starfish. And the boy picked up one starfish and he said, I may not make a difference in every starfish, but I'll make a difference in this one. <laughs> and he threw it back into the water. You will not lead everyone in chilly clothy to Christ. But if you need one person in your life, first of all, you will never recover. There's no recovery known to man. And secondly, you'll go to your grave. Part of the 5% of all Christians who ever lead someone to Christ said 95% who don't. Studies have proven 5% of all Christians lead someone to Christ. 95% don't. You know why? Because they're not talking to anybody. Because you cannot talk to people consistently without sooner or later leading someone to Christ. And so may I suggest you go to bed tonight saying in prayer what's been said in poem. Again, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may a humbly do my part to what? To lead that soul to thee. All God's people can say, Amen.